Coffee with Humans is live, candid conversations between strangers who become friends. Made possible with your support. Subscribe, share, and comment on your favorite platform. Get Coffee with Humans mugs and more. Links are at coffeewithhumans.com. Thanks for joining me. It's true. We are live here once again with Coffee with Humans with my new friend, Erica, from Colorado. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, uh, I'm curious, what drew you to click the button to have coffee with me? What drew me to click the button to have coffee with you? (laughs) Well, first of all, I have to always share my favorite coffee recipe with everybody because it's the best. Um, I always like having a good cup of coffee in the morning. Okay. All right. What kind of coffee do you drink? Yeah, so I make my coffee with a French press, but I always add um, cacao. So there's cacao in here, there's turmeric, there's a little bit of maple syrup, and there's oat milk. So it's like a healthy healing kind of ritual. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that. The, uh, the turmeric, yeah. you that adds a kind of a spicy type of flavor to it, I think, right? Yeah, so turmeric adds a spicy kind of flavor to it, but um, turmeric, so I, I am a cancer survivor and turmeric is actually like a anti-inflammatory. Um, and so I try and include it just in a lot of my daily meals and that kind of thing, just to, you know, help ensure that um, I don't go down that path again. <laughs> hey, that's a great idea for sure. And maple yeah. syrup is a good sweetener. There's like a fullness to maple syrup that you don't get from just refined, uh, refined sugars. I like, I add maple syrup to things too, which, uh, when you said maple syrup, I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, much better for you than, um, at least I tell myself anyway, maybe it's not, who knows, but it tastes <laughs> <Who good. knows? laughs> exactly. Well, shout out to all our viewers and listeners here. Uh, Angie, thanks for your comments here. Angie actually was on uh, coffee with humans just a little bit ago. Uh, it feels like it, but it's actually months. Um, and that's, that seems to be what's, what's happening in this time of COVID, uh, uh, like time is lost for some reason. I don't even, I don't even know our, our, our habits are disrupted and stuff, but thanks Angie for, uh, for joining us. In fact, Angie and Erica, you should, you two should know each other. You have similar energies. This is great. Yeah, she asked if it had whiskey in it. And um, a part of me, I had to think for a second. This morning, did I put whiskey in it or did I not? So, <laughs> Angela, not this morning. We're going to be best friends forever. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> you too you two should. So, Colorado, and before the broadcast, we were talking just briefly. Uh, you asked, you know, you asked uh, where I was from, northern, uh, I'm from northern uh, Illinois. And I never left. I tried. And then I came back. And you said you were from Iowa, but now you're in Colorado, which, which is quite the change, um, different, different scenery, different lifestyle. Yeah, completely. Well, I actually, so my parents, um, they're all from Iowa. My family are all from the Midwest. My grandparents were like teachers and farmers and live in super tiny, small town, Iowa. But when my parents were, when I was two, they kind of decided, you know, let's go have an adventure. And they literally like closed their eyes and did this on the map and put their finger down and it landed on New Mexico and they moved down there. So I was actually raised in New Mexico, um, which is obviously like what, six, seven hours from Denver. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah. Of, of of the areas that you have been so far, and I don't know where where you've traveled, where's uh, where's your happy place? Where is my hat? Well, actually, that's why I'm back in Colorado. So I um, I was always kind of the black sheep of my family. And, you know, after I don't know, I had the travel bug really young. And so I did this like study abroad program in college and went to Australia. Um, and then after I graduated. Oops, are we there? We are. Oh yeah. looks like my connection. I don't know. It says that it's, um, there's connection issues anyway. Um, went to Australia and then after I graduated from college, I, um, took off to Europe and spent about a year backpacking around Europe. Um, so I don't know, I've been a lot of different places and, um, and had a lot of, um, different experiences, but I did live in Australia for almost 10 years. And I would say, you know, aside from the mountains of Colorado, which always call me back, um, Australia is kind of, um, it's got a piece in my heart that, you know, most other places don't have. Well, Australia has a personality to it, which I think, um, I, I, I look at 
or think about different places to, to, to live or visit. And it seems like locations have personalities and that's what we're sort of drawn to, right? We're drawn to either the, the vastness of the mountains and that type of thing, or we're drawn to the, uh, like one of my happy places is in Northern Wisconsin on, you know, sitting on a, yeah. sitting on a lake, uh, yeah. with trees and a thunderstorm, just like big booms of a thunderstorm just kind of, you know, resonates out and it's, and it's, there's a peacefulness to that. And it's a personality that's completely different than, you know, where I spend most of my time. And I drawn, I'm drawn to that kind of rest. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Is that, um, what, what is that called? I feel like I've looked into taking my kids for a vacation there. What is that area of lakes called in Wisconsin? Uh, I go to the chain of lakes up in Wisconsin by Eagle river, which is in the okay. Nicolay national forest or very near there. Um, okay. It's about five ish hours north of, uh, North Illinois. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Used to travel there every year. Uh, in fact, I was there. My dad went there for, oh, what was it? I did the math on this not all that long ago. I think he went there for like 60 straight years, something like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The only year that they had missed was, um, the year I was born or something. (laughs) That was just too hard. (laughs) Forget it. It's too hard work taking a baby. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I disrupted things. I was, I don't even know why. I don't know. Not sure what was happening that time (laughs) that they didn't go, but I was not, I was not born around the time that they went. So I don't, I have no idea what the issue was. I never asked. Maybe I should. Maybe you should. Otherwise it's a mystery, isn't it? Forever. Yeah, totally. So you, uh, you went through some significant life changes. You, when, when folks sign up for coffee with humans, I, there's just a couple of questions that are asked. One is kind of what's on your, what's on your mind. And then the other one is if your life were a novel, what would one of the chapters be called? And, uh, your, your chapter that you saw, you talked about was like how to, how to rise as the whole damn fire. And you had this lengthy, this lengthy description of all these changes that have happened in your life, which yeah. are, were profound. Um, yeah. and you, you had an openness to you that is somewhat uncommon. I'm curious where that comes from. Good question. You know, I feel like, um, man, I think my, well, I feel that, you know, a lot of what I've been through, so I'm a coach, I have my own business, I'm a coach and a speaker, and I sort of travel around and um, help people to unravel their life almost, right? So like, I feel we really spend so much of our life um, just creating our lives based on how we feel we should create our lives or, you know, we kind of follow the patterns thinking that while well, I need to just get a job and I need to get married and I need to have kids and I need to just get the benefits and get the paycheck. And it's like, we kind of just blindly follow life. And for me, I really fought that tooth and nail. And it's like, every time that I tried to kind of follow what I felt I should do, something in my life just absolutely blew up and everything just came crashing down. And so finally at 40 years old, I'm very clear that um, there there need to be no more shoulds in my life and literally just leading from my heart. And um, I think when I share parts of my story, and people see all of the shit that I've been through, it's a lot easier for them to, um, I don't know, to find some courage or, or sort of rethink things or maybe help them to make the big changes in their life that they're afraid of making. Are you still, okay. I, I'm trying to think how to frame this a thought in my head. It seems to me that sometimes when people go through significant life changes, the first thing that they, the first thing, and I'll use myself as an example. The first thing I do is try and rationalize it to say, well, the good things that could come out of this real shit storm are the following, uh, as somehow to as somehow to like make it better. And it's really kind of a distraction sometimes to then focus it on everybody else instead of just sitting in the shit for a while and, and, and recognizing that the, the change is happening. I mean, one of the things you talked about is life is, isn't, isn't it happening to us? Life is happening for us. And that was the last sentence actually on what you had, what you had signed up, like what, what, what was in your head. And the, that couples together with a thought um, that I, I was, tra- I was traveling a little bit last year and my uh, <laughs> um, therapist says, Jason, I want you to try and be in the moment. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't, this idea of being in the moment doesn't compute for me. 
because I'm always thinking of historic. I've always been thinking multiple steps ahead. Like I'm trying to play chess with my life instead of just being here now. And if, and if it's really great, just being fully in now, or if it's really shitty being fully in that instead of, uh, instead of kind of what, um, instead of deflecting right into, well, it's really great. Um, but sometime it won't be. And so like, here's, here's the lessons I need to take from this, or it's really bad and deflecting it into, but here's all the ways it's going to be great. Yeah. Instead of just going, like going through the moment and allowing that change to happen. I don't know. That's, that's, those are the weird disconnected thoughts that go in, in my mind that, that, uh, maybe they're just for me. I don't know. No, I think, but that's such a good point. And actually, you know, I've kind of been experiencing that myself over the last few months. I'm going through a separation or divorce or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think there's that element of, you know, well, how much in the shit am I supposed to be? But also I still have to like keep myself together because I have two kids and I have a business that, you know, is, it's not just going to run itself. And, um, it's like, you still have these daily responsibilities that you have to show up for, but at the same time, I also think that there is a certain element and exactly what you just said, being present and being able to not be molded necessarily, but um, allow what you're going through to help you evolve and to help you shift and change into this new sort of expanse, expansive way of being, I guess. But it's, it's a hard balance to find, right? <laughs> it really is. And I, I, um, I have a difficult time sometimes finding that balance. Right. Because if yeah, I, if I exist only in like the moment, then I feel like I'm, um, short-sighted and not, yeah. you know, not giving enough consideration to, you know, repercussions or whatever. And then right. if I sit too far off in the future or, or I, or I'm, I feel like I'm deflecting from the stuff I have now, um, which, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's real stuff needs to be attended to, um, yeah. There's or a thought quote through or felt. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, so in just by you saying that, so there's this quote that um, it kind of helps me to find a balance. It's something about um, being grateful and experiencing where you are, but excited for what's to come. So it's like kind of just thinking about that helps put that into sort of a framework for me. Yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, it was interesting that after after this person said, hey, you need to you need to try and live in the moment. And I wrestled with that for a while. It was a it was a cognitive exercise to be able to put down the overthinking. Uh, it, it was really it was work actually. I I felt myself like taking that overthinking part of me and the and the concern and the what ifs and the and what thens and all the uh, thinking about all of the outcomes right potential outcomes from this whatever decision is or whatever place I'm in. I felt myself. Uh, mentally just kind of drop that and just go, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to set that over here. And then, and I'm going to give some level of trust. And that's, that's an interesting place to be. Uh, because I think sometimes we hold on to, I'll speak for myself. I think sometimes I hold on to uh, having to do things right or get things right or whatever, because I'm, I'm trying to control an outcome right. rather than, just doing the best job I can now. And that gets me all screwed up in the head because there's so many possible outcomes that could be had. I can't possibly figure out which one, you know, which one is the possible best one. There've been a lot of things I never anticipated that have been great in my life. How, who would have thought those would be the outcomes of all little decisions. So it's, so for me, I, I, I have a, it's, it's effort to just pick up the now sometimes. And sometimes it's like, oh, this is too much. Like even it's just like just the basic things to attend to. It's like, oh, this is too much. But this is now. And I'm going to trust that the then and the what ifs will all take care of themselves if I do this now. And sometimes it's only one thing I can attend to. And sometimes it's 10 things. You know, I'm going through the same 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 situations you are, which are just are mentally, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally draining. Um, and on top of that, COVID and business issues and all sorts yeah. of stuff. Lots of changes. <laughs> And I don't, I don't necessarily yeah, deal well in that changes, stressful changes. It's not like these little tiny things, right? It's like major life stressors, but I think so you're, you and I are not the only ones. Like there are so many people out there who through last year, they realized like, 
I can't hide from my life anymore because our lives all came to a screeching halt. And now we're all making these really big decisions. But um, yeah, like you said, you know, being in the present moment and, and having faith and surrender. I think when we, and I've noticed this in myself over the last couple months as well, as I try and like control and like hold so tight to the tiny details and the logistics and the, but what if the kids and what if the house and what if the money and the finances and how about this? And it's like, then we, I don't know, we put up walls and we get too much into our own situation and we're not looking at it from a higher perspective. And we're taking out all elements of trust and of faith and of possibly having an option or, or an opportunity or possibility come in that we would never even consider. So I think like, you know, when we're just too tightly trying to control the outcome of things, um, not only is it just harder for us, and I think it puts us into that state of anxiety and just, you know, we freak out and I myself do the same thing. Um, but I think I, that's my, my indicator to let go a little bit and to kind of start looking at it from more of a bird's eye view. And I kind of put myself as this like 96 year old woman, you know, if I were not, how would 96 year old Erica want me to be handling this situation right now? Right. As a 96 year old woman, how am I going to look back and how would I have wanted myself to handle this situation? I would have wanted to be open to possibilities. I would wanted to really approach from, from love and from trust and from faith and knowing that, everything really does ultimately work out for the best. I, I don't want to look back and think that I tried to manipulate and control and like maneuver every small detail. Right. So I kind of try and take a more bird's eye perspective. Um, but it's not always easy. Yeah. I'm one of my, one of my superpowers is uh, being able to see, see people and then help, help clarify. Um, and I can connect to opportunities and, and because of my experiences. So you take my personality and that suit and that skill, and then you look at the, the breadth and depth of some of some of the experiences I've been through. I'm really, really great as an advisor, but when I'm super emotionally close to it for myself, then it's like, Oh, like this is, this is so much effort. And it's simultaneously having been through the situations I've been through. It's simultaneously given me, um, compassion that I didn't have before compassion for how difficult it is to walk through certain things and yeah. how insurmountable as simple, as simple as they really are in, in the grander perspective, like you're talking about in that moment, in that now, that, that big wave that feels like it's just going to take us down and, and we're never going to survive it. When in fact, it's just going to push us back a little bit and another wave is going to come and we'll be okay eventually. But the, the, uh, the clarity and compassion uh, that that's come from my experiences has gone up significantly. And then I'm also feeling, I'm also realizing um, that I can handle certain things that I was probably afraid to handle before. I can look certain things in the eye that I never did. I never, I never wanted to look those things in the eye before. Uh, like, and for example, like, like what would that be? I think, you know, that's important for people to hear as well. Yeah. So one of the things, my, one of the things about my personality, I don't know, I don't know how much work you do do with like Enneagram or what, but um, I'm a five, I'm a five W six on the Enneagram or, or very much like that, which uh, for me, one of the core fears is that I won't be good enough. I won't be, I won't be able to handle what's in front of me. And so I, right. I amass knowledge and, and information. I love consuming. I'm curious. Uh, and so I know a lot, of, I know a lot about a lot of stuff because I'm just naturally curious that it comes from, and I didn't realize this. It does, it does come from some level of fear that I won't be useful and I won't be able to handle my own life. Uh, and, and so asking, and you add on certain other other features of my personality, like asking for help. I just intuitively, or I just naturally believe that you don't really care as much as you say you do, and uh, and so why would I ask you only to find out that you actually don't care, uh, and and then and then one of my other core fears is I'll probably be alone. Right now, now it's just now it's uh, now it is uh, reflected back to me that yep you you don't care. You're not going to help me. So I might as well just do it myself. Um, right. All of these things swirl in on themselves. And so the, the uh, ability to say, Hey, I need help. And here's the full scope of what I need help with. And then allow somebody else to just take that and realize that if that they're going to do something with it and I'm not in charge of all the outcomes in the world, you know, I, I can give that to them and I can, and, and entrust them and I can make a good decision about, um, 
who to give it to. That that's up to me. I can make the best decision I can. But um, it's the the fear, right? From the the fear of of uh, it's not necessarily giving up control. That's not an issue at all. But the the fear of I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to be able enough. Uh, it's it's a real thing, right? And I think some I think some people, even even high performing folks, um, deal with that sometimes, perhaps more so than than uh, you know low or underperforming folks. Yeah, well, I think those are actually so. I think um, the two, from what I've heard and what I've read, and this actually kind of is true for me too. Our core beliefs, we all have one of the two or both, and it's I'm not enough or I'm going to be alone and I'm terrified of being alone. And like, honestly, what like every emotion or every um, sort of, I don't know, every thought or every fear can actually be brought back down when you pull off the layers to one of those two core fears. So you're definitely, you're not alone. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the other thing. Most people are uh, like you talk about. We are we're all very similar. And that's in fact, I mean, that's why this that's why this whole thing is named Coffee with Humans. It's uh, it kind of just came out of me just uh, onto the page. It's like it's going to be called Coffee with Humans. And it's and it's this idea that coffee is this great unifying experience, whether it's coffee or tea or whatever. the, The whole point is you sit down for a conversation. That's having coffee. And then the idea that we're all human. If you, if you take off the facade of all the things that we do and all the things that we say that we are, there's, we, are all, we are all very, very similar, much more similar than we ever are different. And, and then when you get down into our core fears and our core hopes, our core needs, we're all, it's like, they're, you're the same as me, same as that person. Like, we are all just uh, kind of laid bare almost, right? Uh, yeah. Into like, oh God, some days I'm just making it up and some days I'm hoping it'll, you know, it'll all work out. Uh, and then sometimes I'm up, I'm like on fire and I'm like, yes, this is, this is amazing. And here's the things I want to do. And here's the things I want to be. Uh, I don't know. There's just a, there's, um, there's hopefulness, I think, that comes from that in knowing that uh, in knowing that you're not alone, because that's one of the great lies that you're alone, but you're not. Right. One of the great. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I love the concept of that because it's so true, no matter who you are, what you've created or what you do, you ultimately, you know, like people will tell me or my clients will tell me or my community or followers like, oh my God, you just seem to have your shit together all the time. And, and it's like, no, I actually don't. And kind of what's going on behind the scenes is I ultimately have the same fears as you, you know, no matter what level of business I'm at, so I'm a business coach, no matter what level of business I'm at, whether I'm earning half a million or a million a year or whatever, I still have the same fear that you do when you're earning $2,500 a month. You know, it's like, it just, it doesn't ever, we're all essentially the same at the core. It's just so true. I lost track of myself at one point in time and I, and I got stuck in the, I got stuck in a loop, uh, yeah. of, of I'm not good enough, not smart enough. Nobody likes me. Right. And yep. that, and I, um, and I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do this. Like I just can't stay in this loop. And I'm, and I am pretty experienced guy and, and have my shit together in some areas. And and so I could see that. Right. And I thought what I need to do is I need to be I need to I need to step into what I've because what I stepped out of is is the fullness of 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 who I am and who I've become and who and the things that I've done instead of letting, you know, this idea of, you know, don't don't judge me on the current page of my book. You know, <laughs> you weren't there for the previous part, the and you're not and you might not be there for the <laughs> next. Right. Uh, the. And so I, I put together a list, an exhaustive list. It just it rolled out of me in an afternoon, an exhaustive list of all the things I've done. And uh, and once in a while I add to it and I put it up on a website and I put it on a video and I and I narrated it and put put audio against it. And and it was it was me. Stepping into the a more full scope, uh, a, a broader look at at who I am. Right. And so yeah. there are things like I've, you know, I've, I've been in billion dollar boardrooms. I've, uh, you know, lost friends. I've, you know, written a million lines of code. I've created things that didn't work. I've, I've done this. Like I, you know, all the, all of these things. And, and as I look back and I'm like, okay, all right. And it gives me some sort of foundation to work from. And it also helps me, even though, even though there are, 
sometimes I feel like I'm uh, uh, kind of like walking through walking through mud, you know, just like, like this is a, this is a slog and I'm just trusting that I'm going to get to, you know, get past this mud at some point. Uh, even though I'm in there, I, I can, I can, I'm reminded of the tools that I have with me. Right. Yeah, sometimes I forget. Are. Exactly. I forget. I forget the tools that I have. They're right here. I've got them. They're right here. Yeah. I'm too focused on the, I'm too focused on how difficult the current journey is. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a really good thing to have people do. You know, when you're really stuck in that loop of I'm not good enough or you've lost your confidence or, um, you know, I have a friend right now who basically has lost everything, lost business, lost house, lost car, filed bankruptcy. And, you know, I think um, it's so easy to get into that kind of a loop, but look at all of the things like just exactly what you said, create a list of the amazing things that you've done and what you've accomplished or, or things you've overcome or what you've achieved. And I'm going to guess that, it, you know, it's, probably some pretty amazing, some pretty amazing things. And it really can definitely fuel your fire to, um, get back on track and start moving forward. Yeah. Read that, create that list and read it every day. Hey, it, you, sometimes you go back. I've, I've, there are days I've gone back to it and like, okay, now I remember because it's so easy to forget. I worked with a lady. Um, she was actually on coffee with humans early on in it before I did them live when they were just recorded. And, um, and I asked, you know, hey, how'd you find out about Coffee with Humans? And she had found out about it from a um, like a job, uh, like a job support group. People who had lost jobs, they were all getting together and talking about how to find jobs. And this was early yeah. on in COVID. And uh, and I said, well, what, what have you done? You know, what's what's tell me about your tell me about your past. And she had she had been in um, she'd been running a, visit, a convention and a visitors bureau for 20 something years as exa- as the director of it. And, uh, she, and she was like, well, you know, now, you know, I'm kind of getting older. And so I'm probably just looking for, uh, you know, basically like a secretary job. And I was like, why, why is that? I don't understand, you know, connect that dot for me. And she's like, well, you know, I just have convention and visitors bureau experience. And I've just got this. I said, wait a second, hold on. And I, and I gave her that, that, uh, that exercise. I was like, let's just review it here for just a moment. And I was like, it seems to me that you've actually managed through uh, a, a large organization for, for a big town uh, with a big budget. You've managed through some economic downturns that nobody, that very few people have experienced. You managed through nine 11, you managed through the mortgage crisis. You're managing through this one. I said that that gives you an experience that I I'm certain a lot of people don't actually have. Uh, just from those, that just one little example, let's talk about the other things. And she started, you could see it like as she started unpacking, kind of walking into her fullness, she got a strength and a character about herself, you know, like a, her, she like sat up and and it's that sort of, um, it's that sort of feeling that I, that I feel like, um, we need to show up with, I need to show up with, I don't show up with that sometimes when I'm feeling down in the dumps and depressed. And, and instead, just like walk into walk into the life that you have now, walk into the now with some confidence, because I think you can't. I think if we say it, well, it all works out. Right. My dad, my dad gives this this stupid thing he says to me, and I want to throat punch him every time he says it. He says he says uh, he says it'll all work out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. And I'm like, come on. But there's, but there also is some level of, there is some level of wisdom and truth in that, right? Uh, because yeah. if we, if we say it all works out and uh, then we have to believe that. And so show up fully now because whether you, sh- it, it, you, you, I think the odds of it, of us seeing that it all works out will be greater. Um, and I think we can make life more yeah. difficult by not showing up. And I think we can also look back with regret and say, I didn't show up. But what if you did? I think Brene Brown talks like that. You know, what's uh, you know, what I think what was the quote I heard from her just the other day? I've heard it before. Something about, you know, living with regret by having not shown up in your life. You know, that's that's a big that's a big regret. What if you did just show up? And that's regardless of the circumstances. That's the fullness of who I am. What here's what I can bring to this moment. Bring it all. And if it's and if it's not what you could bring five years ago, that's OK. And it's yeah. and if it's not going to be what you're going to bring, bring five years from now, that's all right. It's not that it's not now. 
but here's what I have today and I'm going to bring it all. I freaking love that so much. Yes. I love that. And that's hard. That's hard for people to do. I think too, especially if we're, you know, achievers and we're, um, we're, I don't know, it's, it's hard to feel like you can bring your whole self when you are sort of in the depths or you're not, or, you know, you're feeling depressed or anxious or whatnot, but in actuality, that's what makes you human. And that's what makes you relatable. And I think it takes more courage to show up that way than it does when you're feeling, you know, in all your glory, it's easy to show up then. Oh, totally. It's, it's much easier to show up. And that's where I think the, a lot of people's fears as I've, as I interpret them and it's, it's spoken through my own lens is that we're afraid to be seen. We're afraid to be seen for our failures. We're also afraid sometimes to be seen for how great we are at something. And that's, that's, um, that's a big driver. I think it keeps us in, it keeps us in the, it keeps us in the struggle zone. I think sometimes where it's like, eh, things could be better and I'd love to do this, but I shouldn't and I can't and I won't. Because what if I was really great at that? What if I really was seen? I'd be separate. And then that going back to your other point, like one of your great, one of your, one of a person's fear of being alone. Well, you can be just as alone by being great at something as you can it by just sitting at home, never calling anyone on the phone. Those two, those two lonelinesses uh, feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's this term, um, well, not a term, but there's this indigenous concept and it's called um, original medicine. And I learned this through my speaking coach and she talks about, so original medicine is composed of two different components. So the first is one that we all come to this earth with gifts duplicated nowhere else, right? Nobody else has the unique gifts that we have combined with the unique life experiences that have shaped us. And the second component to original medicine is if we choose to not use these gifts during our time here, then who we are and what we were here to do is lost to the world for all time. Right. So nobody, nobody will receive the medicine that we came here to bring. Um, And I think that that just really hit home for me. Yeah, that that's um, that's an interesting way to look at it. We all believe that we are made for a purpose and we all believe that we want to that we're here to make. I, I think people want to believe, right, that we are here for something greater and yeah. whether it's the. Uh, you know, our family that we're surrounded by or whether we take certain ownership of the earth or whether we take certain ownership of societal issues, we all want to make some sort of impact. It's, it's in our nature. And yet we're in some, in some ways, I think we're afraid to make an impact with the things that we have and to our detriment. Sometimes we don't, we just simply don't do a good job, you know, with the things that we have, we underdevelop what we are capable of. Um, Yeah or we hoard what we're capable of, uh, or we are capable of so, you know, we're so well of a lot, but we don't let anybody see it. I mean, there's all sorts of ways. And I, and I just, I don't know what, in your experience, what, what do you see as one of the difficulties that people have in, in kind of stepping into that, that fullness, their own unique skills and gifts? Yeah, well, exactly as you just, um, yeah, exactly as you just explained, you know, that's all conditioning. So we don't come here afraid. We don't come here hoarding. We don't come here, you know, that's all conditioning by society and and how society shapes you and um, your life experiences shape you, which is normal, right? Nobody comes, nobody comes through childhood unscathed in some way, shape or form, regardless of how you grew up. But what I see is one, either it's an unknowing. So I started my business as a life purpose. Well, I started as a career coach, like a corporate career coach, however many years ago, and then um, moved into more life purpose coaching because I found just like what you said there, when people were moving from one corporate job to the next, to the next, to the next, like they have all this money and they have all this success, but yet that they didn't feel that they were contributing in any way, shape or form. And what we've found is that, um, 
unless you feel your work is actually tied to a greater purpose or a greater mission, um, you won't have that complete fulfillment in life. You're always going to feel like there's something missing. But what I've seen, you know, through the hundreds of people that I've worked with making that shift and stepping into what you're here for. Um, the reason, the biggest reason why people don't do it is because of fear. Fear of change, fear of loss, fear of the unknown. Um, it all comes down to fear in some way, shape or form. What do you, what practices do you give people or habits do you have people build to move them through that fear, that moment of fear into uh, maybe mitigating that fear or what's on the other side of the fear? Yeah, well, you know, I think, um, I mean, I always... I have a coach because I, you know, if I don't have a coach in some part of my life, I just feel like I'll spin too much in my head and they help me do things that I might be too afraid of doing. But in all honesty, you know, what I help my clients, um, how I help them kind of walk through fear is just recognize it as it's just a friend and it's not, it's a feeling, it's a friend and it's a feeling. And if you're getting ready to do something new that you've never done before, of course, you're going to feel fear, right? It's a survival mechanism. It's our ego trying to just keep us safe. It's our body's doing, um, it's job and, we're going to feel fear. And so I learned to befriend it and almost just, you know, it's like sitting in the passenger seat next to me, but it's not driving the freaking car, you know? So I get comfortable with being comfortable and I get comfortable with feeling the fear and I recognize it as, okay, fear is really um, another form of excitement. And I follow the fear because to me, it's such a guide of, um, you know, what we're meant to really lean into and to follow in it really can direct us into some really incredible, beautiful places. I like the, the, uh, I like that, that idea. You, you talked about how, how fear is, uh, is kind of conditioned into us. We didn't begin, you know, life with all these fears. We came to understand these things. We came to understand that life is not safe and, you know, it's physically not safe. It's emotionally not safe. It's mentally not safe. And, and we want, we strive for some level of safety, it seems. And that's what fear keeps us, uh, you know, keeps yeah. us on the road of the road of safety. Um, and what <laughs> you, 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 you ended that with saying, you know, fear is kind of something that we need to step into. I, um, I give the example of, I, I started, I learned to rock climb probably it's too long. It's longer than I think, but it's like 12 years ago now or something. And well done. Thank you. Out here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I learned to rock climb because I was afraid of heights and I reasoned oh with my myself. God. I was, I said, and I, I made, I made a, I made a uh, life goals list at the time and I'm not a, I'm not a huge planner of life goals, but, um, I, uh, because like I, I have a, ten, I have a tendency to make it overcomplicated. So what I did is I wrote a list of two things. One of the things I wanted to do specific things I wanted to do and then things I wanted to be become and uh the i made a uh i said i wanted to be more adventurous i just wasn't living the adventurous life with the adventurous spirit that i that i uh wanted um and i also wanted to climb a mountain and it had been on the list for a little while and so i thought this must be something i care about because it keeps it's a recurring thing that keeps coming back up and so i thought well where can i learn to rock climb and I went to the YMCA and met up with a group of people there and I learned to rock climb on the wall and then eventually went outside and then eventually led groups and all sorts of stuff. And I, and the, I, I said, I don't want to be a slave to this fear of heights anymore. Um, because if there are two people standing on the edge of a cliff, one person's afraid and one person isn't, what is the difference between those two people? Because they have the exact same circumstances. And I thought, well, there must be something that I, as the person who's afraid, doesn't know that the person who's not afraid must know. And if I could learn that, and this back to my mindset, right? If I could learn that, then somehow I could acquire that knowledge and, and tame or control the situations that keep me in this, in this, uh, you know, uh, fear of heights. And I did, I learned uh, to your point, the when I was safe and when I wasn't safe. And now that that, you know, fear being a friend, fear being a guide. Now I know when I should be afraid because I am unsafe. Things are going to happen uh, or, you know, or when I or when I'm just or when I'm just hypothesizing, just making something up. My mind's making something bigger, but I'm actually safe. 
And I think if I apply that to my own life, there are times when I'm afraid of something, but I'm actually 100% safe. I'm right. I'm, I, I'm, I, um, need to do need to do something or correct something or walk into something or, or do that thing I've dreamt about whatever it is. I'm a hundred percent safe in any of those situations, but, uh, I don't see it as safety because I just look at the fear and then twist, 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 and program my habit of this habitual mind of just going back to the fear and then twist it around a little bit more as though somehow we're going to twist ourselves out of fear. You're not going to twist yourself out of fear. You're going to, you'll get out of fear if you take action. Yes, that is actually the only, that is actually one of the only things that I think really starts to move fear is taking action. And I think you bring such a good point too, where, you know, I, so I've bungee jumped and skydived and jumped, hang glided and I climb mountains and whatnot as well. And there is this moment where, so let's say like those two people are standing up on top of the cliff, right? The long, so when you're getting ready to bungee jump or jump out of a plane or whatever, you get up there and you're ready to go and you're psyched and you know, your body's sweating and your, your hands are sweating and you feel the fear and whatever. If you stand there, the longer that you stand there and you wait, the more your brain is going to talk and talk and talk and loop and loop and loop and loop. You are so much more likely to say, F this, I am out and go back the other way, the longer you take, right? If you just say, screw it, I'm jumping and you go for it, you're going to feel so much less fear. And I think we do that in our lives, just like you said. If we don't take action and we sit there and we think about it and we spin and spin and spin, we're just creating this huge monster in our head. Whereas if we just take one tiny little action forward, we start to realize, okay, this isn't going to kill me, or I can feel this, or I can do this and I'm not dying yet. So I'm going to keep going bit by bit. So action is so important. And what a great point, right? Totally. What a great point too, that, that the longer we sit in that we program our, we program ourselves into a habit of then always stepping away because we, we now go, okay, the programmed path in my head is that I spin, 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 then I give up. And we've, we see that, right? We see that with people. We see, I see it with myself that like, I'll spin, 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 and then go, ah, forget it. Instead of, uh, you know, like, like I should be, I should be out running or, or biking or something like that. And, and there's nothing stopping me. My bike is sitting upstairs and and I could drive out. I could walk out the front door at any point in time, go biking. And yet I somehow for a while programmed myself going, well, think, 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 think it through. Like, as it is now a good time, should I, I don't know if I feel, feel like it. And then I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And, and it's, but that habit of, of spinning on things instead of just being in kind of like back to this idea of just be in the moment, like go biking, make the decision, go now there. Like what could it possibly hurt? You'll be better for it. Who knows? Maybe you'll run into somebody great. Like all of these positive benefits that could come out of that, but instead sit there. And, and, and that is a theme. I find this idea just spin, 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 spin. Don't do it. How many times have you, you, know, you, you work with business owners, right? And you, right, yeah. exactly. And regret it. And you, so you probably see people that are, that, that do the same thing. I, I think I want to do this. People say I should. And then think, yep. think, 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 think five years later, they're like, nah, forget it. Yep. 100%. And then what happens is they, they have that regret and they have that, like, you know, ah, okay, I wish I could have done that. And they start beating themselves up. And it's like, you just, and I do the same thing. If there are things that I spend, 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 even if it's as simple as a workout, right? How, how annoyed are you at yourself when you miss that workout that you just know you should have gone and done, right? Like you choose not to, you choose not to go on the bike ride. Same thing. You choose not to start the business. You're so freaking annoyed with yourself. And like, why, why can I not just do that? Whereas if you just go and do it, don't you feel so good? Like, thank God I did the bike ride or thank God I got that workout in this morning or thank God I started my freaking business. Cause now I've quit my nine to five. It's like, you just, yeah, I try and also think of like, how am I going to feel if I don't do this? If I would go up and pay to go skydiving, get all the way up there, you know, get everyone ready. The planes up there flying around. How annoyed am I going to be at myself? If I tell them to go land the plane, I'm not jumping. Forget it. Like, no, that's, I'm, it's not happening. So, you know, put yourself in that future situation. How annoyed are you going to feel at yourself? And how are you going to feel if you choose to not do something and back down versus how amazing are you going to feel if you just do it? Yeah. We, we too often, I think are, I, I'll speak to myself. I, I tend to become very habitual creature and, and the older I get, 
the more habitual I tend to become. <laughs> and I don't like that in all in, in a lot. You know, I'm I'm probably the least habitual of the, you know, the people in my family. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, you're kind of the black, black sheep, of, sheep of the family, maybe. And I um, I'm sort of the uh, the Jason did what sheep of the family. Um, because uh, I don't know why I mean just I got a lot of stuff on my mind I want to do something uh, and it doesn't all work out sometimes it burns up spectacularly in the air uh, but I always I always love I always kind of loved it and was in it for the moment um, but the the things that I tend to back away from in that fear zone right are are it is sometimes just habitual and I even know it's habitual. And right. how many times do we know better, but we just go back to what we, to our habits instead of breaking free from those. And, and, and I'm sure you've experienced it. I've experienced it that when we break those habits, when we say, no, I'm not, I'm just going to develop a new habit. I'm going to interrupt the cycle. We can get in a new positive cycle of, of, of moving forward instead of, you know, focusing on the mud, we get our tools set out. We go, no, I'm, I'm better. I'm, I'm, I'm more capable than I think I am. I'm better at this than I am. And I'm on, and I'm safe. So let's, let's forge ahead. Yeah. Well, and you know, just, I think we, it's normal to be habitual. And like you said, as we get older, it's more likely. So I think Dr. Joe Dispenza says that by the time we're 35, the neural pathways in our brain are programmed. Like we literally are functioning like a computer. And unless we consciously make an effort to create new behaviors, to break our patterns, to do new things, we literally will stay the same until we die because our, we are so programmed now and we're so wired. So after 35, it actually does become a lot harder to make changes and to create new things. Um, but it doesn't mean we can't do it. It just means we have to more proactively and take a more of a concerted effort to do so. Yeah. Or we take advantage of circumstances like COVID yeah. where COVID yeah. disrupts all of our habits. Yes. And, and it's like somebody, you know, we had, we had our, we had our Jenga game, right? It's like Jenga was working yeah. out so well. And we just kept, you know, every year we take one peg from the bottom, put it at the top and choo -choo 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 -choo, until right. sometime, you know, so we inevitably just die. Right. But somebody took our, our board, uh, the, the table and shook it. Right. And they all were like, but my pieces and a lot of them came falling down and they're, and, but the whole tower didn't go. We might have one piece or five pieces or three pieces, but we can see those other pieces and what an opportunity to figure out how do I want, if I were to start this Jenga game again, yeah. how would I stack those pieces? That is the opportunity that each one of us has, particularly through COVID when our habits are forcefully disrupted. Absolutely. It was the best. It's, it was the best, honestly, like as hard as it was, it was like such an amazing thing for all of us. And I think we are really fortunate to have had the opportunity. So what's up for your next, uh, your, your 2021 here now that, now that it seems like pieces are getting stacked back together. <laughs> you yeah. have a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> I know there's a lot going on. You know, 2021 for me, um, I think right now I completely restructured my business last year so that um, I have a lot more space and a lot more time. And I think for me, this is a real year of just like that soul revolution and, you know, kind of walking into who, who am I now? Um, I think, you know, I, I made a lot of decisions in my life that were based on my heart and what I really felt I wanted, but I also made a lot of decisions in my life based on what I felt I should do and getting married being one of them. You know, I don't know, do I believe in marriage? Do I believe in monogamy? It, you know, am I straight or do I like women? I mean, I actually have no idea. It's one part of my life I've never looked at because I just assumed that, you know, you get into a relationship, you get married, you find the right person and you have kids and you're like, you live together forever. And for for me last year, what COVID did was it just really, like you said, shook my table and, um, my husband and I were, he traveled a lot for work. I was always traveling around internationally speaking. So we just could coexist. And what COVID did was put us in this container in this bubble. And it was kind of like, actually, we don't even make sense anymore. And I was like, actually, I don't even know what I believe anymore. So I think this year for me, um, is, you know, a little bit about business growth, but more around just, um, yeah, 
remembering who I am again, you know, down to the core and, um, and, and making decisions and rebuilding my life and my relationships from there. Wow. That's powerful. One of, uh, one of my opportunities more than 10 years ago now was to travel around uh, the Colorado area for a month or so in a camper with my family, kids and stuff. And, uh, I, I wore sandals most of that year or most of that summer. And I came back and uh, my wife and daughter asked if I wanted to do a pedicure. And I said, sure. And so I did. I went and got a pedicure. <laughs> and I think it's the probably first pedicure I've ever had. And I have yeah, these right. massive calluses on my feet. <laughs> I have these massive calluses on my feet. And I said, uh, when do you cut those off? That's what I was asking the lady. And she's like, no, no, no. We don't cut those off. We'll, we'll scrape at them a little bit. And then if you take care of your feet, they will come off over time. And I was like, oh, right. All right, that's fine. You know, it didn't make sense to my man brain. I thought we just uh, we'll take an exacto knife and chop them. Uh, and I think that's for me. That I think that's a metaphor for life. That as we as we walk on our journey, calluses are built up on that fresh skin. That is, it's actually the life and the growth, and the calluses are just so built up that when sometimes we stop for a moment. We go, oh, my God, my feet, what the hell is happening here? And we touch them and they're like nasty and gross. And we're like, I'm not comfortable with this at all. And that's that I think is that moment of rest and stop. And it's like, OK, hold on. I got to get these off. And sometimes it's a traumatic scraping where we're going to yeah. take a lot of it off. Right. Yeah. And and for me, my uh some of some of you know decisions and circumstances and whatnot have been that scraping of the calluses off so now i'm like oh that's i remember now 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 i feel now i feel like i've got that fresh clean foot there and now i need yeah. to take better care of it because i didn't realize how much callus had built up and so um i wish i i wish that for you right as you walk through your journey as you've got some of that scraped off that you you know, you, you continue to explore, um, the, you know, what's the, what's that fresh life. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. It's time. I'm ready. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put, um, uh, your, your, uh, uh, website here and Instagram handle up on the, up on the screen. I know, I know very little about you. Um, we've met and now an hour ago, which is what coffee with humans is all about. Just two people sitting down at a table, you know, in our case, virtually, and just enjoying each other for just for that one hour. And I think if we're intentional about bringing good to our lives, uh, in this moment, good things happen. And that's, that's, uh, that's why I'm really thankful that you're here. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Such a pleasure. Well, to all our viewers and listeners, check out Erica at her website or Instagram handle. Erica, thank you so much for being here and we'll check you next time. Thank you. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.